Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number three of the Design Patterns podcast. Today, we have Mai. Mai, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing? Great. Now, before you introduce yourself, I do have to say that whatever she says about herself, she's also nothing less but a chef, according or judging <laughs> by your Instagram stories. So maybe we'll get into that later if we'll have time. But yeah, yeah. so start off by saying who you are, what do you do? Um, so my name is Mai Wing. I'm a lead software engineer at a fintech company. Um, and before that, I was working at Skillshare. And before that, I worked at a mobile dev agency. Um, so I've had over about, I've had about five and a half years of experience of working as a software engineer. And how did you start? So basically, what was your um, education or your background? How did you get into software engineering? Um, so I always knew from like a kid that I wanted to do something with web development, um, like, you know, Neopets, Zynga, like MySpace, editing all that CSS and everything. So when I got into college, um, I was actually an IT major because that's what the web development concentration was under. Um, I took a Java class. I love Java, but like a lot felt like a lot of the professors at my school, like weren't really passionate about like teaching. Um, I actually ended up failing the Java class, but only like three people passed. So I don't feel too bad about that. And I decided that it felt like a waste for me to spend all this tuition money um, to like learn something that people were literally just reading off slides about. So I switched my major over to journalism because I wanted to go into like journalism. Um, but it was like the worst time because that's when all the newspapers started going out of business and everything mm -hmm. was moving online. When and was, I was that? Like, oh. um, it was like... 2010 maybe 2011 what um, school did you go to oh i went to george mason university so hmm. it's like a small public university in like northern virginia mm -hmm. um and it was i was i was kind of like freaking out because i was like oh like i just switched over from like you know web development over to journalism and now like newspapers are going out of business like did i make the wrong decision um but i switched my major so i just like decided to like continue with that and um since i was like in Northern Virginia, I was pretty close to DC and I got like a few good um, internship opportunities at like local publications and like working at like social media agencies. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I would say that even though I like changed my major away from web development, it was still like a really good experience because of all the people I got to meet. Yeah. Um, so after I graduated, I moved to Japan and lived there for a year to teach English because like most college students, I was kind of like, oh, like I graduated, like I don't really know what to do with my life. And like even though I had like a lot of internship experience, like it was really hard for me to get a full-time job. Um, so I was just kind of like, okay, let me just take a year and then come back and figure it out. Um, so lived in Japan for a year, came back, but like the entire time on the side, I was still like doing a little bit of web development. Like I had like a WordPress blog and I would like, you know, fumble with the layout and stuff. Yeah. Um, and so I decided that, you know, like I do want to become like a web developer and I had like a few friends who went to like a coding boot camp who had like a really good experience. Um, and so by the end of 2014, I decided to move to New York City to go to a coding boot camp called Dev Boot Camp. Um, they're not around anymore, but um, that's how like I got my foot in the door back onto my coding journey, I guess. And how long was the book boot camp? Um, it was like nine weeks off site. So like nine weeks of prep work, just doing stuff remotely and then nine weeks on site. And did it help you that you kind of had a background with web development or was it like, so did, did they teach you from like completely uh, zero? Like you didn't have to have a background in order to enroll for that bootcamp or did you have to have some kind of like knowledge? Um, so Deaf Bootcamp like accepts people who have absolutely no knowledge. Mm -hmm. And so um, I had, before that I was trying to learn coding on my own, like using free resources like Codecademy and everything. But I felt like, it wasn't until I went to dev bootcamp that I actually realized what I didn't know, because to me at that time, I was just like, oh, web development, it's just HTML and CSS and like some JavaScript. But then like going to dev bootcamp, it's like, no, like, you know, you need to like know about databases, building APIs, like yeah. working on Ruby on Rails. And so I was kind of like, wow, like, <laughs> I'm really glad. Like, I don't think everyone needs to go to like a coding bootcamp to like learn how to code. But like, for me, it really helped speed up the process. Mm -hmm. And so you said you did that. So that was in New York as well. Like the on-site was in New York as well. Yep. So how was your first, you know, you moved to New York. You still didn't really know what you were going to do. Um, kind of like describe your feelings there. Cause you, know, you said 
you just came back from Japan and then to like move to New York. You haven't lived in New York before, prior to that, right? No. <laughs> so yeah. that must have been like overwhelming because at least, so I've been watching a few videos like on like the apartment hunting in New York and stuff like that lately. So I know how stressful it can be. So how was that for you? Like moving to such a big city and, you know, starting basically a boot camp. So did you, did you work while you were studying there or um, were no, you like full time in the boot camp? Yeah, it was like full time in the boot camp. Um, so I'm like from Northern Virginia. It's like a suburb. Like you need to have a car to get anywhere. Like everyone has like a house in your yard kind of thing. Um, and so when I moved to New York, I was like so stressed out um, just because like when you take public transit, like I'm not used to like having people around me all the time or like it would just be so loud at night. Like I'm not even exaggerating, like the rain like would keep me up at night and I have like no idea why. Maybe like the roofs are different in New York City, yeah. but like just the constant sound of like cars going by your window and everything. Yeah, um, I guess some like, like with the isolation of the walls or like how the apartments are built. yeah. And so that was, that was a lot. Um, I didn't really have like any friends here, but like to me, when I came to New York, I had this mindset, like I'm on a mission to like finish this boot camp and get like a job as a software engineer. So it was kind of like, um, the normal schedule was like, I think like nine to five Monday through Wednesday. Um, but I always stayed late just to like do extra work. And like, I would always come in on the weekends to like, you know, work, help get help with stuff that like I needed help with. Um, so it was basically go to boot camp, go grocery shopping, and then like go home and then like meal prep on the weekends and stuff. So it was like very, um, I had like no social life. Um, I was just like very focused on this goal. And so you said your friends told you about that boot camp, right? So when they uh, graduated from it, did they stay like in New York City or did they do it? Was it available in another city or what um, happened there? One of my friends who did it actually went to the original one which was in San Francisco mm -hmm. um so I just like did a video call with him to ask about that and then okay. the other one he went to the one in New York but he decided to go, move back to um Northern Virginia just because like that's where all his friends and family were um for me I like I like so I when I was in Japan I met like a girl who was like my coworker, and she's originally from New York so that's how like I found my roommates because I was like rooming with her um but yeah that that's it like um it's really, even though like New York City has like a lot of people, I feel like sometimes it can be hard to make friends with people because everyone in New York already has like their own circle and like everyone is so yeah. busy that it's like hard to make friends if you like don't know people. Mm -hmm. And how was the uh, job market back then? So when you finished your, uh, when you finished uh, studying, what's the like, what's the job market like for people who, you know, who gained experience from like boot camps or stuff like that and not from like traditional, you know, university or college or whatever. Um, is it, was it harder to find a job? How long did it take you? Yeah. Um, so I think like the average time, like pre-COVID would be like three to five months to get like a job after a coding boot camp. Um, and so for me, it took about like, I would say like took about like three months, but I like interviewed at a lot of places and I think a lot of companies at the time were still like skeptical about like bootcamp grads. And so there were some interviews where like, I like did terribly, but then like, you know, eventually like after, after I got the hang of interviewing, like it was fine. Um, but I would say like, for the most part, like 90% of like my cohort that graduated with me, like was able to find like a job after bootcamp. Mm -hmm. And did you feel after you finished it, you needed like to gain some more experience in specific areas in order to be able to um, pass those interviews? So basically what I'm asking is after you finished that, you know, you said it took you like three months. So during those three months, did you spend time um, maybe uh, learning new skills or you just kind of like went over what you already know just to make sure you're on point there? Yeah. Um, so the thing about like interviewing for companies is that you never know what they're going to ask you. And it's like so weird because like as a full stack engineer, like they could ask you really specific stuff about the back end or really specific stuff about the front end. Um, and so I feel like interviewing is a lot of like good timing, luck and like just knowledge. Um, and so I felt like for those three months, there's only like so much that I 
didn't know that I didn't know that I didn't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I like, I was like trying to build apps, but like at the end of the day, they're just like crud apps or like restful apps or yeah. um, like to-do lists. And that's not really, that's not like super helpful. Um, Cause it's just like, you're kind of building like a simple app over and over again. Um, it's really easy to like lose motivation to like, to work on something if like you don't really have a purpose for it. Um, so I would say like I spent most of the time like just maintaining my skills, kind of reading up on stuff and then just like um, getting more familiar with like being able to explain the projects that I worked on when I was at my boot camp. So how old were you when you when you started uh, when you started the boot camp? Um, I was 24 when I first started the boot camp. So here's where I'm going with this because I actually someone commented on one of on one of my videos on YouTube. He asked me if it's if I think that it's too late to start a a like a programming career at or like start to learn programming at the age of 26. I think it was. Um, I I think it it isn't, but because I know a lot of friends that you know study at university with me who are like 25, 26, 27, uh, who are just starting. Um, so I want to ask you, you know, you were 24 at New York City. What was that like for you? You know, were you like, uh, were there any like concerns or yeah, because I feel like I wouldn't say that, you know, going to university is like an, the easy path. It's definitely not the easy path because obviously like starting in university is hard, but you kind of know that when you like graduate, from let's say even like doesn't have to be from like the top universities right you're, you're most likely going to be able to find a job and you do that when you're like 18 yeah. but at like 24 25 doing that is kind of like you know switching up a career path um what tips do you have for people that you know that are that age like 25 26 they notice that okay i'm pretty interested um, in programming, maybe because they genuinely love it, or maybe because they have different motives, like, you know, uh, there's good, good uh, salary and stuff like that. What tips do you have for those people who want to, uh, to get into that world? Yeah, um, so I never think it's too late to like, make a career switch, um, especially into software engineering. Um, mm -hmm. I have like a lot of I met like a lot of people who like, like, became a software engineer or like around my time. Like even when I went to dev bootcamp, a lot of people were around my age or even older than me. Um, and even like now I'm like meeting people who, you know, they were like in a band at first and then they decide they wanted to go into software engineering or I've surprisingly met like a lot of English majors. Like they graduated with like English and then they decide to become like a software engineer. Um, but I would say like one thing to be aware of is that ageism is kind of an issue in the industry. Um, I haven't personally experienced it myself because I think people generally think I'm younger than I actually am, um, mm. which can also like work against me. But like um, I have heard other people talk about it. So um, hopefully, like if you find a good company, like that won't be an issue. But yeah. And then back to your question of like advice, um, I would say make sure that you do some research and that you're this is something that you want to do. Like I think um, free free code camp free code camp like has a lot of good um, resources on like how to get started so just like you know dip your toes in there and see like if it's something that you can see yourself doing full-time 40 hours a week um, and then there's a lot of part-time boot camps that people can go to um, I just had a friend who went to a part-time remote boot camp that's located in Chicago I can't remember the name but it's kind of like um, during the day you work your day job and then in the evenings like and the weekends you like go to this boot camp so um, for people who can't quit their jobs and like go to coding bootcamp full-time, there's still like an opportunity to like learn if um, you're willing to like put in the work and if you are able to like make that time for it. Yeah. Um, my input on this is that I think like if, especially now, you know, compared to like, you know, if we're talking about 2014, 2010, I feel like knowledge and like information is a lot more available you know, with, with internet and even like social media, you know, we're talking about Instagram, TikTok, I'm seeing like, so software engineering or like programming, coding, whatever you want to call it became a thing that's like available on every single platform, right? Like prior to that, it was like, you know, you have to 
you know, maybe uh, pick up some books to, to study, or maybe you had like very specific uh, websites. I think you, you mentioned the free co code camp. I don't remember the name, but yeah. I think they've been around. I think they've been around for quite a while. Mm -hmm. And now you're talking about, you know, websites like Pluralsight um, that have like a monthly subscription. Um, Udemy, I think as well has like uh, a list of courses where uh, like a lot of courses, maybe in every, literally every single area of like computer science and programming, where for like yeah. 20, I think $20, you can get a, a, a course of like a hundred hours of video on demand or stuff like that. So where I'm getting with this, is like, I feel that if you are, it doesn't matter, your age really doesn't matter. It's like, if you really want to do something, then especially now with internet and all of that going on, you you can do that. Like you don't even have to pay insane, insane amounts of money. Like if we're talking about tuition in the United States, you know, ha having to pay, um, what is it? Like a few, uh, like a 10, 20, $30,000 a year, maybe even more to go to university. You can literally, you don't even have to do a bootcamp now. You can just like go yeah. on YouTube and, and look up videos on a topic that interests you, web development or Udemy or Pluralsight and all that. Uh, so I think it's never too late. And especially if we're talking about like 24, like that's crazy. That's so think, young yeah, still, I feel like. like. <laughs> 24, 25, that's so young. And, you know, I see a lot of, like, I know if you know Gary V, have you heard about oh, him? Oh, yeah. So he talks about it a lot, about like age and stuff. When people come up to him, I'm like, I'm uh, 27 and I'm thinking of starting doing this. And it's like, you're, you're so fucking young, right? You're so young. Like you're just getting started. You're not even halfway there. And really, if you think about it, you know, with every single year, like because of technology, so pretty much the life expectancy of any person who's pretty much alive right now is going to be like 80, 90 years old, maybe even more to that, like pretty much the average. Um, so it's like 20, it's like, you're basically like a quarter like it's not even like a quarter of your life you know I know that's yeah. crazy so yeah that's like my input on this is really if you if you're genuinely passionate about it or you really want to you really want to get into that uh then you can you, you just need like internet connection and and you're good <laughs> to go I think yeah, yeah. And I also think like for people who are like career switching, um, there's a lot of skills that they can take from their current job and bring it over to like software engineering. Um, like I feel like when you first start off as like a junior software engineer, you're probably spending like all your time coding and just like figuring it out and like, you know, Stack Overflow and like Google, whatever. But like the more you the more senior you become in your role, like there's a lot of leadership skills, communication skills, like collaboration skills that are really important. And so if someone like, for example, is like working as a manager, not in tech right now, um, like those are really valuable skills, like when you move over to like software engineering and you need to be able to like get consensus on something. Yeah. And also I forgot to mention, we mentioned all the Udemy, Pluralsight and all those websites. Of course we have Skillshare as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which are, so we'll get into that in a second, but so after you finished your bootcamp, um, what was your, what, what was your first job? where did you say you, uh, you started so working? I worked at a mobile dev agency. So basically mm -hmm. a bunch of companies would go to this agency and be like, they, they would basically outsource work because they didn't like have the engineers for it. Um, so that was really exciting or like that was really fun because when you work at an agency, it's kind of like every three months you have a new project. So um, when I first got there, I was working on um, this app called Sizzle. It's like a bacon Tinder. It's like, it was like for Oscar Mayer. And so it's like Tinder, except like you swipe on like your bacon preferences or something. It was like really wow. weird. It's like, it was, yeah. Um, so that there was that. And then there was like a few other really fun apps too. Um, and so basically like you get an app, you build, you start from scratch. And like, every time you start a project from scratch, you're like, oh, do I want to use a new technology? Like, how do I want to build it this time kind of thing? You like spend a few months building it, you ship it, you hand it off to the client and then like you get a new project. And so um, in that sense, working at an agency, I feel like really helps you level up really quickly because like yeah. um unfortunately, sounds like a great junior uh <laughs> junior software engineer role right like yeah working yeah. on something new every and you must have like and every app is like different so you must have like worked on different you know technologies maybe every single app was a different like database or different database used and stuff like that so that sounds really great um how many people were working on every single project like what was the size of your team um, so I think the web team was like maybe 
less than 10 people. And then mm -hmm. I think it was like the same for like Android and iOS. Um, and so like for one project, like maybe we'll have like two web engineers, like one iOS engineer, one Android engineer, designer and PM. Um, so they were pretty small teams, um, which meant like you would have the chance to do like a lot of the work. Mm -hmm. So starting up, did you have like maybe a mentor um, or like a buddy or someone who, you know, worked pretty closely with you, um, kind of showing you the ropes? Um, did you have someone like that or were you just yeah. kind of like thrown into the water? And... <laughs> well, I like so my first project, I started this company, um, the projects in Python, because like they had already started before, like I got mm -hmm. there, but my bootcamp was like Ruby on Rails. And yep. so I'm like, okay, Python Django kind of similar, has some like unique different spots. And I got paired with a really senior engineer. So he helped me out a lot, except like two weeks in, he like was gonna go on vacation for two weeks and I'm the only web engineer working on this project. So I was just like, holy crap, <laughs> like, am I gonna survive? And so like, um, fortunately I made it through, but I felt like for those two weeks, it was like really like a sink or swim kind of situation because none of the other web engineers knew Python or Django. Um, and so I was just kind of like off in my own trying to like figure this out. I see. And then, so how long have you worked in that company for? Um, I worked there for a little bit under two years. And so um, I think the first project was like Python Django. Then the next one was like uh, PHP and Laravel. Um, and there was like some Angular, some React, but I mostly like worked on like building the APIs. I preferred working on the back end and doing the front end. The front end is like not my forte. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you finish working there, you start at Skillshare, mm -hmm. correct? What is your title at that point? Because you're, you've worked for two years as a as a junior. That was your title, right? Like a junior, or is it like I know there's different titles. So sometimes people call it like associate software engineer. Sometimes it's called like junior software engineer. Yeah. Um, and then after two years, is your style is your title like still? Uh, junior software engineer or is it like I don't know something else yeah um, so I think so my first job we didn't really have the junior title so I was just like a software engineer oh, okay because um, they were really small so they didn't really figure out like the whole leveling thing yet yeah um, at Skillshare I was kind of like a mid-level ish like software engineer so just like a regular software engineer still yeah well and that was um, when was that that was like 2017 then they say or when was that um, that you joined Skillshare I'm trying to do the math. Uh, yeah, I think like 2017. So at that point, because I'm asking this because I've heard a lot about Skillshare for like the past two years. I think prior to 2019, maybe 2018, I don't think they were that familiar. And then when they started this whole like sponsorship sponsorships thing, oh, yeah. by the way, if anyone from Skillshare is listening to this, <laughs> like hit me up uh <laughs> with 40 subscribers like it's worth it um but yeah so you must have started working on the product when it was like still you know there was still like a lot to do rather than like you know adding maybe new features or like updating stuff like i um, think the what was the so the at what point was the website itself uh when you first joined um, so Skillshare had been around for a pretty good amount of time by the time I joined, because like I first heard of Skillshare when I was still in college, because oh. when, Skillshare, when Skillshare first started out, they were like doing in-person classes. Um, yeah. but I think they realized that's like not scalable, which is when they like moved online. Um, so they'd been around for a while, but I think um, it's kind of like it. a lot of it was just like a lot of the work was just like improving the product. Um, so there were like some things that we like new things that we tried to build out like some new features and stuff. Um, and it's like, I feel like with a startup at that kind of stage, it's kind of like- um, Is it still considered a startup? Sorry to interrupt, um, but- I, I guess like people have different definitions of startup. For me, I consider a company a startup if it hasn't gone public yet. Mm -hmm. um, so, Skillshare is still not public as of this interview, but mm -hmm. it's kind of like, um, it was kind of a point where we're just kind of like, okay, like what can we build to improve the product? So like we would build something, like get metrics on it. And then like, maybe we would sunset it or maybe we would keep it. And so it's kind of like, we already had the core product, which is like, yeah. you know, uh, watching uh, classes. And so we're like, okay, what can we do to like build on top of this to like improve the experience for the user? Um, so it was a lot of that. And then also just like, you know, um, 
the difference between working on a product company and an agency is that yeah. the agency is like easy, you, like you hand it off and then you never have to worry about it again. Um, but that also means like you don't have the opportunity to like reiterate and improve it and make it better. Um, so like at Skillshare where you have a product where you can't hand it off, yeah. um, a lot of the time it's also like spent like doing maintenance or like being like, oh, like this weird bug like came out of nowhere, like let's fix it kind of thing. Wait, so who, when, who maintains the app like or the app or the website when you're in the agency so you hand it off to your customer there's no way that it's like 100% like perfect and there are no bugs so let's say your customer's like hey my um my clients say that there is a problem with this that and the order and the other um can you guys fix that is it possible like or how do, how does that work like if a if you, one of your customers needs something changed and yeah. I'm not talking about, you know, you hand it off to him and then like a day later, he's like, okay, that's, that's not right. But like, let's say a few months down the line. I think it um, depends on the contract that like the agency writes with the company. Mm -hmm. um, maybe like we'll have like a warranty period or something, but for the most part, unfortunately, like a lot of the apps I worked on, they were just like for like, um, like almost like marketing. So eventually they got sunsetted. So like, it's not like an app that will like last forever. It's kind of like an app that people use for a short period of time. And then the company is like, oh, we don't care about this app anymore. So at Skillshare, how long have you worked there for? Uh, about a year and a half. Okay. So all of, all of those jobs were in New York City as well? Yep. So then you started um, your last job or your current job, I mean, at the, uh, what is it, a fintech startup, you said? Yeah, a fintech startup. So I'm actually pretty interested in that because... I think fintech is really interesting especially like i'm really getting into it now um can you explain a little bit what fintech is and in particular what is a fintech startup what does yeah. that mean i i don't know if this is right but so my understanding is kind of like a fintech startup is basically a technology company that focuses on finance so like examples like robin hood or um wallfront or acorns or something it basically you know you, when you think of like finance companies, you think of like Vanguard or like Fidelity or Goldman Sachs and you go to their websites and their website looks like they're like made in 1990s yeah. and like the app is like that. Um, and it's just like pretty straightforward. There's like nothing new or exciting about it. Um, whereas like a lot of fintech startups, I feel like these days are really interested in making it like more accept accessible for the retail investor. But then also like they kind of make it like a lot of them like focus on making it like no like no thinking kind of thing. Like a lot of them are robot advisors. You just put money in and they like invest it for you. Um, so that's when I think about when I think about FinTech. I also think like companies um, like, for example, privacy. I don't know if you heard of them, but they're basically like an online company where you give them your debit card number and they generate like a new number for you each time. So like if you're buying stuff online, it's like a one time use thing so that your card does your card number doesn't get stolen. Mm -hmm. um, so basically like any technology company that like works does financial stuff and so your title there is a lead lead software engineer that means you have uh your own team or yeah um so my company doesn't have like the senior software engineer title um so I'm, i think like lead software engineer is probably like the same as like senior at other companies mm -hmm. um it's like an l4 um, I just got promoted like last September. Oh, congratulations. So I'm like, thank you. <laughs> I'm like very excited about it. Um, but yeah. So, so does that just, so does that mean that you have like that you're managing your own team or you're saying that it's completely like equivalent to, um, to just a senior software engineer? Yeah, it's like um, equivalent to a senior software engineer. So um, L4 is like when we, my company starts splitting things up between like the IC individual contributor track and then management track. Mm -hmm. um, so I like an L4 could be either a lead software engineer or just an engineering manager. They're like the same level. Uh -huh. And you had an opportunity to choose. Did they give you like, okay, did they ask you, do you want to be a manager or do you want to, you know, continue being a software engineer, like basically being a senior software engineer? Yeah, um, I have always made it pretty clear to like my manager that I did not want to go down the management route. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think like, I think that's like pretty similar to like a lot of people who work as software engineers. I feel like a lot of people go into this because um, 
they like coding and like you know management like requires like a different set of skills like people skills yeah i'm not saying software engineers don't have people skills but it's kind of like it you deal more with like um you work more with people than you do with like technology yeah definitely you have to hold like one-on-ones and your team meeting and well working with your supervisor because even, <laughs> even when you're a manager you have your supervisor so then you become you have your boss you have your team and you have to kind of like you know take care of every individual in your team so basically yeah. your weekly schedule is just meetings um which there's nothing wrong with that with that obviously but you know if if you're more interested in still um you know coding or working on like hands-on on the product, then definitely that's probably not, not the path for you. Yeah. Um, but where I want to go with that is, so even as a, even as a senior software engineer, so I don't know if you had a chance to like maybe interview other people that, you know, um, want to work at your company. So did you have a chance to, to do some interviews? Yep. Okay. So what I want to ask is when you interview someone, what do you look for um, in a, let's say a junior software engineer? I'm assuming that's the people who, who you were uh, interviewing, right? Like yeah. for entry, entry level software engineers. So what are some quality, some qualities, sorry, that, that you look for um, in someone like that? Um, so I've interviewed at all three companies I've worked at. And I feel like across all three companies, it's like pretty similar into like what the company is looking for. Um, I think like this goes for like junior engineers, but also like senior engineers. It's basically um, like how well do they collaborate? Um, a lot of the interview questions I've asked at all three companies involve like pair programming kind of thing. It's kind of like a lot of back and forth talking about like, oh, how would you build this app? And like seeing how well they deal with like uncertainty and like how well they communicate like if we basically treat them like as if they were a coworker, right um mm -hmm. so you're comparing with your coworker, like how well do they work with you like do they ask like good questions um and yeah i i feel like i've definitely interviewed people like more senior engineers who um like they kind of just like they i mean they're very senior so they know the problem but they like just solve it so quickly and they don't really explain their thought process or like they don't really like uh you know collaborate that much that it feels like it's kind of like oh like this person's like really like they would be a great engineer but like would they be a good person co-worker to work with like would it be easy for me to work with them on the project kind of thing um so i think like definitely communication skills collaboration skills um and like i don't know yeah <laughs> yeah i understand what you're saying so it's more there's more emphasis on how would that specific person um, fit within uh, within the team that that he's supposed to join? Yeah. Rather than if he already knows everything and you know is really smart, which which you know is is important and definitely makes stuff a lot easier. But there comes a time, or like most of the times, when you're working on the on a product, doesn't matter how skilled you are, you usually can't do that alone. Like need to be able to work um with team with a team so if you have someone who's kind of like um like likes working alone more or isn't really collaborative or isn't like doesn't talk too much so it's definitely it's definitely um harder um so yeah that that's on that but so now as a senior now as a senior software engineer if you could like talk to to yourself uh four four years ago let's say what would be like tips would you do anything differently or what are some tips that you would give to yourself to um, junior software engineer mind i think like definitely have more confidence in myself and also like trust myself more i feel like um i feel like i probably could have been promoted sooner had i not second guessed myself so much because i feel like um in this I feel like in a lot of industries, but like in this job, especially I've come across a lot of really opinionated coworkers and it doesn't mean like they're bad or anything. It's just like, you know, they feel very strong about something. And so they're going to like push for it. And so um, for me, like I was kind of like, oh, like if they feel this strongly about this, they must be right. And so I should just 
listen to them or follow what they're saying. Um, but like, I also have like a lot of experience myself. So like, instead of always kind of following what someone else is saying, like have more confidence in myself and also like speak up to like my experiences. Um, I think that's really important. And I think like a lot of junior engineer, software engineers, like there'll become a point where like right now, like they're learning a lot, they're absorbing a lot, you know, they're getting mentored, but there'll become a point where they're kind of like, oh, this doesn't feel right. Like I think I should push back on this. Like, I think we should implement this a different way. Um, and so for me that happened a lot, but I didn't really say anything. And so for anyone else who's going through that, like just, you know, feel better, feel more confident about yourself and, you know, speak up in a nice way like don't be like your idea is trash like you know yeah um yeah and when when you were like just starting out did you kind of like do just whatever task was given to you or did you have a say in uh what you want to do so let's say you're working on this app and you're like i want to work on on a specific feature uh were you ever like said to, like did ever like somebody who's maybe senior uh said, told you uh no you should probably work on a different feature like that's a little bit more advanced and someone else needs to work on that or kind of like describe the relationship between you know someone who is an entry-level software engineer and like uh, senior software engineers when it comes to um the, the task that you're supposed to do as part of a project yeah um so like as a junior software engineer um I would just be given tasks and I would just do it. So like, I was happy to get whatever I got and just like did it. As a lead engineer, um, I feel like I've been spending a lot of my time kind of planning the project. So I like am currently not as hands-on as I would like to be like in part of, like with developing like and writing code, mm-hmm. um, but it's more kind of like doing a lot of research, doing a lot of uh, reading a lot of code, reading a lot of code reviews and making sure like the project is being carried out like as smoothly as possible. Um, but I feel like for like projects or like things I wanna work on, um, something that changed is, so I've always, so I was like a full stack engineer for like five years, but back in August, I actually switched over to the mobile team. Um, so I'm doing like mobile development now. Mm-hmm. And I think um, th- for like these opportunities don't, come around that often but hopefully like um whatever company people work at there's like a way for people to transfer if they're interested um and so i was able to tell my manager i wanted to move to mobile and then it happened i see um so the next segment i want to get into is something that you know i do in all all of the episodes so far is kind of like talk about um like work-life balance because i feel like that's really important um so I want to talk about, let's start from when you were, um, when you were like a senior or like a entry-level software engineer. I feel like we've said junior software engineer so many times. So I'm trying to like, I'm trying <laughs> switch to it say, up. yeah, switch it up. Cause I don't know if someone keeps track of the count, amount of times we said junior software engineer and this, but yeah, like your, your work-life balance during that time and your work-life balance now um, as a, as a lead software engineer, where, you you know, you're also, you have to like review other people's code and, and obviously you have more responsibilities. Um, So any, yeah, just describe how, how, how you do that. Um, So my first job was like, no work-life balance, especially when my mentor went on vacation for two weeks. I think like I was at work, I think, so like normally people get into work around 10. I feel like most companies are pretty flexible of like when you get into work. Um, but I like was so stressed out that like I would, I actually did not show up to work till like 11, but then I would stay until 11. Like there were like a couple of weeks where I was just doing 11 to 11. Cause like I was so stressed out trying to get this project out by the deadline. My mentor was like on vacation. Like I was just this new person to Python and like no one could help me. Um, and so that was, pretty normal like I thought that was normal like a lot of people at that company were also like pretty new to the career so everyone was kind of like let's just work as much as possible because we think that's what we're supposed to do um and there was like really like no I guess experienced person kind of being like hey like work-life balance is important we were just kind of like yeah like let's just build stuff and then we'd stay late um we play smash brothers then get back to work kind of thing um and so like work was like my life And then I think like towards the end of my time there, I started getting pretty um, burnt out. And so there were times where I would show up to work at like 
11 or 12, I think around 11 and I would just leave like at five. Um, because as long as I got my work done, my manager didn't really care. So I was like, okay, I'll go in at 11, do my work and then leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like around that time when I started like, you know, working out and stuff. Cause I was like, I'm sitting all day, I'm eating crap. Like I really need to start taking care of myself. And so, yeah. um, as an excuse to either try to get to work earlier or like leave work earlier is like signing up for like workout classes. So I'd sign up for like an 8 a.m. class and be like, okay, I have to wake up early, go work out, and then I'll, I'll go to the office or, oh, I need to work, leave work exactly at five because I have like a class at six or something. Um, and so when I went to my second job, I've like maintained that, um, gone to work at like 10, left at six, and then like would sign up for workout classes um, before and after work just to make sure like, you know, I would leave work on time and get work to work on time and stuff. And did you notice any effect of, of that on your actual um, on your actual like productivity at work? Like what I'm saying is, or what I'm asking is once you started, you know, going to all those classes and kind of like, you know, putting more emphasis on your well-being, um, did you notice yourself um, being actually more productive at work? So with, with the same, like, let's say from, from 10 to six, so with the same eight hours you had, did you um, manage to do actually more work than before, maybe? Yeah, I felt like a lot better because like, if I knew I had to wake up at like 7 a.m. to go work out, like I wouldn't stay up late. I wouldn't like drink. I wouldn't like eat like fried foods the night before I had to work out. Um, And so I would wake up, go work out, like probably get a protein shake or oatmeal or something and then go to work. And so it really like, just like making one small change really like kind of affects your life. Cause like, you're like, if you were like, oh, I need to go work out in the morning, that means like there's a lot of other decisions that you have to make as a result of that. Um, And so I felt like it was really helpful in making me kind of reevaluate stuff, but then also like, you know, as a result of like that one change, I like ate better, I slept better um, and gave me more energy to do work. And, you know, with with COVID the past year, so I don't think there were like any in-person classes, right? No. Did you manage to still uh, work out, um, get your workout in the morning, maybe in the evening? Um, um, the reason I'm asking is, is because I felt like the past year, for me at least, it's been like so rough being or staying like motivated. So basically gyms were closed and I found it so difficult to, you know, just start like doing push-ups here on the floor at my room or yeah. or like I didn't I didn't go outside to run and I felt like because I was home, you know, I, well, for me that because I was still in university, so I was studying from home, I was working from home and all my like activities were from home, like, um, cause you couldn't go outside and do anything. And I felt so exhausted because there was no, um, basically it felt like everything was work, right? So you would study, you would work from home and, I'd find myself sometimes like I'd get it out, I'd check my email and then I'd see that someone left a review on my PR and like, oh, it doesn't seem so complicated. Like I, I can just fix it now and it'll be like 11 p.m. or like 12 a.m. Uh, and then it would drag on to like 1 or 2 a.m. Oh my God, yeah. And so, and, and my physical my physical health like was also really, I think down the drain. I didn't do any workouts. Um, so what was that like for you? Did you still, were you still able to be consistent with that? Um, no, <laughs> um, I feel like, so I feel like when lockdown first happened, I think like New York was pretty strict about like not going outside um, and New York apartments are pretty small. So it's really yeah. like environment is like so important. And so like, I'm like, yeah, I have a yoga mat, but like, I don't want to work out in like my kitchen kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and it was so bad because like I think like no one was really used to working from home and so like hmm. you know we stay up all night doom scrolling trying to figure out like what's going to happen like and then wake up at 11 like literally like so this is like my work desk and like like that's my bed I would literally roll out of bed and just like come and sit in my yeah, desk same, and like work same. all day yeah. <laughs> and there was like there's like no separation and then I'd be like oh it's like seven like I should eat but like this looks like I like you know I should still work like um, I do I have to I'm- say before you continue, sorry, but there is a good thing about that, though, that I could just if I had a meeting at like 8 a.m., I could literally <laughs> wake up at like 7.59 a.m., roll out of bed, 
get in here and I'll still be in time for like the meeting. That's true. <laughs> so That's that is one good thing about that. But continue. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, I feel like even though like my commute to the office generally is like 20, 30 minutes, it's like not bad at all. I'm like, this is so convenient. Like I could just go get coffee or like tea and then like sit here. Um, but yeah, so I think like it, I still haven't really figured out like the best way to stay active. Like maybe like after work, I'll go for a walk around the block or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I just bought Ring Fit Adventure. So I'm hoping that will motivate me. What is that? To, like, um, it's like that switch game. It's like switch game with the ring. Mm-hmm. And then you like makes you do squats and like oh, okay. work out and stuff. Um, so I'll let you know how that goes and um, if that works. But yeah, for the most part, I just like maybe like go for a walk and that's it. I see. Um, so again, the same question. Did you notice any effect, like maybe now like a negative effect on your on your uh, productivity? Um, um, I would say at the beginning of quarantine, yes, because it's like um, we were trying to get projects out, but I think like everyone was like freaking out because like we're locked at home and we don't know we can get groceries. Not like all the grocery stores were like empty. Um, and so instead of being able to like do work, I would just like be on my phone, like scrolling on Twitter and being like, oh my God, like, are we going to be okay? Um, and I just like felt tired and like sluggish all the time. I think it's like, you know, you're not going outside, you're not getting vitamin D, or if you're only eating like what you have, maybe you're not eating as much nutritious food. Um, and like, I felt like working out used to be like such a huge part of my life. I used to work out like six days of the week and like going to not working out at all. It just like, I feel like crap. And sitting all the time, like, is really bad for you. Like, um, my brother had a herniated disc and had to get surgery, I think, from, like, sitting all the time, and so, like, that's, like, another concern I have, because I'm, like, not strengthening my core at all, um, so, yeah, lots of things to worry about. Yeah, um, so you mentioned, like, food, and we were talking about, I, I wanted to get into that topic, because I absolutely love what you're, at least, okay, so I haven't tasted it, obviously, but whatever <laughs> you're cooking on Instagram story, that looks insane, like, that looks really good, and then you're also, like, meal prepping for the week, right, are you still doing that, Yeah. because I know you have a video about that as well. Yeah, um, I have no time to cook during the week, so if I don't meal prep, I'm probably either going to eat instant noodles, or I'm going to starve. <laughs> yeah. So this um, is definitely, like, something that is not common for software engineers, like the concept of actually meal prepping. So I really want to talk about that because for me, I felt like a lot of, like, especially in the past year, I have been ordering like a mad, like I've been ordering a lot of food and I just feel like every time after I, I'm just never really satisfied with that. Um, and I also uh, always feel a lot more, a lot healthier and you know I feel like the food tastes better when I cook it mm-hmm. um, or when it's like home cooked um, so any tips on on how to like you know do meal prep and and you know stay consistent with that keep keep up with that um, kind of like maybe talk about the benefits of doing that as well yeah um, so I think that's like kind of why I started my YouTube channel um, I had like a lot of friends, especially uh, like and coworkers as software engineers, where I would just like, like every single day for lunch, they would just go out and buy something or like every day for dinner, they would just buy something. And it like, number one, it's like really expensive, especially in New York, yeah. like, lunch can be like $15. Um, and it's like not healthy. It, you're probably getting sick and tired of eating the same thing all the time. And I like would have friends who asked me and be like, oh, like, what should I meal prep? Like, how do I get started? And I was like, okay, like being a software engineer is one thing, but like, you also like need to like be able to take care of yourself as an adult because I think for a lot of people like you know they just graduated college this is their first time living on their own this is like they're adulting um and so for me I think like the hardest part to get over first is that you're going to eat like the same thing like multiple nights or multiple days of the week um and so but for me like I don't really mind like I really like eating steamed broccoli and like roasted potatoes oh yeah it's really good yeah it's like do you meal prep for like both lunch and dinner or is it like only for lunch how does that Um, work I always try to meal prep for both lunch and dinner so Mm -hmm. um definitely like tips like buy in bulk like buy a lot if you have a Costco membership buy a lot of broccoli buy a lot of sweet potatoes or like roasted potatoes and then just like make it beginning of the week and then um like just heat it up throughout the week like I I think it's like even easier now to meal prep because like before when I was working in office I would have to like you know 
like individually portion it and bring it to the office and have all these dishes. Now it's just kind of like, you know, put everything in a giant tub and then like scoop it onto a plate and then just microwave it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the last thing I want to talk about in this like um, work-life balance, you can say, I don't really know how to title this segment, but yeah, <laughs> stuff that aren't necessarily like coding, but um, do you have like any specific technique that you use to like manage your time? Maybe a schedule, a weekly schedule, a daily schedule, um, or maybe you just like, you know, uh, write a list of to-do or like a to-do list. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think like routine is really important. And so um, before I, before COVID, I would literally like have stuff to do Monday through Friday from like the morning to night. So I, I would know like every Monday through Friday, I have to wake up at 6 a.m. to go work out. And then like on certain nights of the week, I need to, I used to take improv class. So I'll be like, okay, I'm going to improv class after work. Um, and so, because I knew I had something before work and after work, I'm like, okay, so during work, I need to do this or like on the weekend, this is the only time I can do this. And so it would force me to like manage my time really well. Um, these days I use um, like Google calendar to like block off my time. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're at work and you have a lot of meetings, like, just like add meetings to your work and or meeting like events to your calendar where it's like focus time, please do not book or um, just making sure like you have a good overview of what your week's going to look like. Mm -hmm. Um, I also bullet journal for like personal tasks. So I always write down like things I need to do for personal stuff. Um, And then for work tasks, I have like a to-do list as well as we use a sauna at work to keep track of everything I need to do. So um, I feel like most people will generally say like keep all your to-do stuff in one place, but I want to keep my like personal life and my work life separate, which is why I handle them in like two separate places. I see. So do you do it like every single day or at the start of every single week or? Um, at the start of every single week, I like think about everything that I need to do. So that, and I write it down. Um, and then like, if I'm working and someone slacks me, then I'll write it down. So I don't forget. Or like if I'm a meeting, someone asks me something to look something up, then I'll write that down. Um, so just like, I always like have a notepad next to me to like write stuff down or else like I'm going to forget. I have like the world's worst memory. So I have to write everything down. It's the same way. So I will, I actually, I think I have a good memory, but for not for like things, like let's say I'm talking with someone, like let's say today and someone's like, oh, let's, you know, let's do this homework at like 3 p.m. or something. Um, And then I'll be like, yeah, cool. Let's do that. And then I feel like because it's today, I'm like, yo, I don't, need, I don't need to write that down, like, put it on the calendar and something. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. I'll remember. Then I forget. <laughs> but then I can remember, like, just the, the most random stuff that, you know, I've heard or seen, like, maybe a few years ago. I still have that, like, in my memory, but I can't remember the fact that I was supposed to meet someone today. So, for example, um, we we said that we were going to do this. Um, so today's Sunday. Um, and we talked about it, I think a few days ago, what was it like Thursday or Wednesday? I can't remember. So sometime around last week. And then I also made an appointment to go to the dentist, uh, last week and they were like, okay, we have a slot available, um, on Sunday. And I swear to God, I couldn't, I couldn't remember, so it was like Sunday morning, right? I, I remember uh, that we were like meeting at night. So it's nine, now it's 9 p.m. for me. Um, but we said we're going to start at, at eight. Um, but I just couldn't remember. I, I remember I was sitting like with this guy on my phone and I was like, hold on, let me check what I have on Sunday. And I just couldn't remember because I didn't write it down anywhere. Yeah. Um, I remember like I was supposed to meet someone. Um, but I just, I just couldn't, I just couldn't remember. And then I was like, yeah I think Sunday is okay and after I hung up I remember that we were supposed to do this on Sunday I was like okay thank god that we're on different time zones yeah like okay we're doing this at 8 p.m and like the appointment was at 10 10 a.m so I was like oh my god thank god but that was another example of like man I wish I wrote that down because that would have saved me so much headache I literally held the guy on the phone for like two minutes because (laughs) I didn't want to make another call and so I'm like yeah that's fine like yeah I think that's fine but let me check as if I have like, I don't know, I did, I literally didn't have like a, a, a journal or something like at a calendar. I didn't have yeah. anything like, I was like, oh my God, I'm just sitting there trying to remember. It's like, yeah, I think that's fine. 
Oh my God. Um, Google calendar will be your best friend. I never make appointments unless like I have Google calendar open. So like if the doctor's like, Oh, like how does this date work? And I'm like, give me a second. I need to open up Google calendar and like make sure I'm free. Um, yeah. Yeah. Or else see, I'm going to forget. So <laughs> See, that's the thing though. I do have Google calendar and I, I did use it a lot of times. Like I just can't be consistent with that. So when I, when I do use it, I actually use it really effectively. I, I color code everything. So my blocks are not the same, are not the same color. So I'd have like, let's say for university, if I'm going to do a specific, like I'm going to work on a project in a specific course. So that specific course has a specific color Mm -hmm. on the calendar. And let's say everything that, that is regarding like, uh, you know, just leisure time or maybe making dinner or making lunch, stuff like that, that has a specific color working out has a specific color, but then that's actually, it's not that much work, but it is sort of like, so I can't really be consistent with that. Like usually (laughs) I started at first, I was doing that. Like, I think I started like last year when COVID first started. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to manage my time. And that worked really fine. Like I, I was going great, like at the start of every single week or like at the end, like Saturday night, I would sit down and I would place everything that I plan for the next week on on my calendar. And obviously, a lot of times you can't predict everything that's going to happen. So sometimes I would just like add something during the day that I need to do. Um, And then kind of got lazy with that and then started being like a daily thing sort of. So I was, if it's Saturday night, I only plan for like Sunday, then Sunday I plan for Monday. but I just couldn't keep, I just couldn't be consistent with that. And especially when it was like, maybe, you know, stuff that even just making a phone call or like texting back to somebody, like usually those things I wouldn't write, like I wouldn't take the time to, to write down on a calendar, like meetings and stuff and like working on projects or maybe stuff at work, I would. But I found myself that those little things are what I always forget about. Yeah. Yeah, so like, that's that's why I have my notepad. <laughs> yeah, so I feel like I should definitely utilize my iPad here a little bit more and just like, or even just a piece of paper and just write down stuff like that, that, you know, just suddenly come up so I don't forget. Um, yeah, because that 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 happens a lot to me, like that I, that I forget those things. So yeah, I think having like a little notepad and definitely using Google Calendar is great um and just trying to be consistent with that that's the hardest part I keep like a bunch of these like right next to my desk and I know like a lot of my coworkers do it too like um they'll just be like oh give me a second I'm writing this down or I'll be like I'm writing this down so I feel like a lot of people that I like work with do the same thing because I think we like we have a similar issue where we'll forget if we don't write it down yeah also another good tool is like if you have an iPhone then reminders um is really nice or I'm sure there's the same, it's the same concept for like, even if you have Android or anything, but just like an app that you can just write down something that you need to do, like a task that you need to do, and then you can mark it off. That actually is great, not only because it helps you remember, but because when you actually do it, then it gives you motivation. Like you feel good. Like, for example, I did uh, after that, after I made the appointment for the dentist, I did write that down. So um then I got a reminder today and then once I went there came back I instantly marked that off and I felt so good that I've actually um I've actually done it yeah because (laughs) like I said like physical health and all that especially during like finals that was like that that is like such a low priority it shouldn't be but it really was like I was postponing everything like you know all the appointments to like dentist I also got vaccinated on um on uh what is it thursday yeah wow so like the first oh, the first shot that's awesome i new york city new york state is like almost out of vaccine so i might have to wait some time before i can get vaccinated um but yeah. that's really cool yeah so here in israel it's actually i think we have a lot i think we have enough for like all of so i think the population is like nine million um at this point at this point, I think more than 5 million people got the uh, the first shot. So that's more than half of the population. So that's great. And there is enough, enough vaccinations. 
and now just trying to convince people to actually go and get vaccinated because yeah. that's a huge issue but that is like a topic for like a completely different <laughs> yeah yeah pretty different yeah but yeah the last thing um that i always ask is where do you see yourself in five years um maybe uh-huh. that can be anything like you know professional career um maybe your hobbies anything um that's a really good question because um i'm like at this crossroad at work right now where like i could go down the management path or i could stay down the ic path and so i like think about it because it's like okay if i go down the management path eventually that'll probably lead to like cto years in the future if i stay on the ic path then that'll lead to like principal engineer in the future um and so i'm like that's actually top of mind and then i'm kind of like oh do i want to stay working at a company or like do i want to start my own company and i think like a dream that I have, I don't know if I'll like achieve it or not, is that, um, so I'm Vietnamese American, like my parents are from Vietnam. Um, Right now, I would say like Vietnam is like another tech hub, like especially in Ho Chi Minh City. Um, And so the tech scene there is like really booming. And so I would love to like move to Vietnam and start a company there. Um, But like what the company does or like how I'm going to do it, like that's not sure yet. But I think that would be like a really great opportunity. but that's just a dream. Hopefully like, I can achieve it. And I don't know if I'll be able to do it in five years, but we'll see. Like move full time, like to like literally live there, start your company, or you just want to start your company there and then like move back and maybe have another headquarters in America or? Um, like actually move there full time mm-hmm. and then start a company. Um, I've been taking Vietnamese lessons since COVID started because my Vietnamese is like not good and so I'm like well if I move to Vietnam like I need to be able to actually like you know they speak English over there but like I think it would be better for me to like learn the native language Mm -hmm. um, especially like so I can communicate better so um, step one like learn the language step two not sure what else to like start the company yet but yeah are you using Duolingo to to Uh, learn or um, I, I'm, I like have a tutor that I meet with twice a week for one-on-one oh, okay. lessons. Um, yeah, I feel like, um, I've tried language apps in the past and they like, aren't like, I feel like they aren't like the greatest thing for me, like for my learning style, like it's not super effective. So I think it's, for me, it's just easier to like talk to someone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's really awesome. You know, um, I'll definitely check that out. I haven't heard of like I obviously I don't really follow Vietnam and what's going on there but that's pretty interesting to see I love seeing that as well with like um that's that's something that I'm really passionate about is making all this knowledge more accessible to to like I just want people all across the world to have um the same access to like knowledge as we have by me by we I mean like you know pretty much every person who lives in like you know the western countries or like pretty developed countries like if we're talking about you know japan or singapore or you know china um so definitely like uh that's interesting what's happening in vietnam and you know if we're talking about africa as well um yeah so i really like that that's a that's a really nice thing um i hope i can achieve it like even like at the bare minimum i would love to like move to vietnam and like help teach kids how to code um, mm-hmm. just because like it's so important and like to get ahead these days um, that would be really cool too because I feel like you know working for a company is like great like you get to like work towards the company mission but I really want to be able to like impact have like a bigger impact on people if that makes sense yeah yeah definitely totally get that um, so yeah any last words oh before that <laughs> I must ask though but how is living in you how is living in New York? What's that um, like? Like pre-COVID or like currently? Okay, so pre-COVID. Pre-COVID? Uh, New York is like really awesome. It's like the ultimate FOMO because there's always something happening. Um, and so I think like a lot of people who first come here feel like they need to do something like all the time. Um, it's really, really great because you like most of the time, like when I go to work everyone I know is like who works in tech but Mm. there's just so much happening in like the city that you know I went to improv class and I met a lot of people working in like performing arts and stuff or um, I go to workout class I meet a lot of people who are like fitness trainers it's there's just like so many possibilities to do anything here like if you are interested in something like 
there's probably like a club or like a class for it like you could do anything that you want in New York um yeah the city is like really great I can't wait for you know people to get vaccinated and for like things to start going back to normal and do you feel it ever like kind of like you get like sick of the city or like do you think there's a point in time where you just kind of like fed up with New York City and that's like too much for you I feel like when I first moved here, I like wanted to leave so bad. I was kind of like, how do I break my lease? Like, how do I get out of here? Like, I hate the city. Um, but now I probably can't imagine myself living in many other places um, just because like, like um, you're, you were in Toronto recently, right? Yeah. Was it? Yeah. So like I've been to Toronto um, and like, I feel like at night, like it gets really quiet. And even though Canada is really safe, I, there's something about being cities at night when there's no one around, it feels like really creepy to me. Um, New York City, like, you never have that vibe. Um, like, there's always people around. Like, I never feel like it's dangerous or anything. Like, there's always, like, someone up or something. I know I'm, this is kind of going off on a tangent, but um, I just, I, like, I love the city. I love the people here. I love the culture, like, the things that you can do. Um, I, like, don't know where else I would live just because I'm so used to not driving now that I almost like never want to drive again. Um, so like whatever city I move to needs to also have like good public transportation. Hopefully Vietnam can get that sorted then. I mean, yeah, I don't know what, what's the situation there with their, their public transportation, but. I think they just like, they're like, they've been building like uh, the subway in Hanoi and Saigon. And mm -hmm. I think one of them is getting close to finish, but I don't know which one, but it's happening. <laughs> They're going to have a public transportation system. They also nice. have buses. Their buses um, are pretty good. Okay. So yeah, to finish off, where can people find you? I'll also add the, the links down in the description. So which platforms are you on? Um, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube. You can probably just Google me at um, my does things. Um, and then you'll like. Awesome. Awesome yeah. handle, by the way. That's, yeah super creative um so yeah any last words anything you want to mention um thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of this oh, yeah. i've had so much fun talking with you and i hope like Same. we're definitely going to stay in touch because um we need to talk about attack on titan but yeah. <laughs> um for any uh anyone who's like interested in software engineering definitely feel free to reach out to me if you need like have any questions or any advice um i haven't uploaded a youtube video in a while because of life and work But, yeah, um, I was gonna ask, what can people expect from your YouTube channel? Because I've been refreshing, um, I've been checking it I'm out. Sorry. I was like, I was hoping for some new content, but yeah, um, I, I'm like right now, I'm like planning like a productivity one, like how to be productive, productive working from home, um, language learning since I'm learning Vietnamese and Japanese right now, yeah. and then also like uh, more software engineering related videos. But yeah, nice, that's awesome. And make sure to you know upload some more uh, meal prep. Yes, that's very important. And hopefully I'll be able to like interview you for a YouTube video. Oh, yeah, definitely. I know. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be yeah, really yeah. cool. You got my Instagram. Definitely. We'll, uh, we'll do that. Okay. Uh, thank you so much for joining. I had a ton of fun. Cool. Thank right, you. See you.